When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> what was that? I just wanted to spice it up. There's plenty spicy in here. Welcome to the show. Welcome to you, me and a poltergeist. We are your lady and fella that talk about unnamed horror. Nah, I'll do. That'll have to do. That'll do. That'll do, donkey. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> What's new, babe? Nothing. Nothing is new. Nothing. It's still COVID-19. They're slowly lifting some restrictions, which means people think the pandemic is over. It is not over. Please stay indoors still. I agree. Like, um, I was trying to get a Duna cover and came up, and this lady, it's the same fucking lady, we were trying to just look at the Duna covers, see what options there were. Try and find a queen size. We've got a queen size bed and doona. And there was this one that we were looking at. There was only like kings in it. And then I found like another stash of them. And I wanted to go through and have a look for a queen. But this lady just kept walking down with her fucking trolley. Not even stopping. She was just like walking into us. And it made me get really anxious. And like the first sign of me having an anxiety attack is is anger. Um, so I got very angry and I told her to fuck off in Kmart and Brayden's like, Belinda, there's children around. I was like, I don't give a fuck if there's children around. And then, uh, we yeah, got, that a, occurred. we got a Duna cover still. Very nice. It's $38, which isn't really that expensive for a Duna cover, but it's the most expensive one I've ever bought. Good job. I mean, $38 is a good deal. Yeah. And it's a pretty looking Duna cover, flannel, so it's nice yeah. and warm for it's, our terribly yeah. cold Australian winter. It's so not cold at all. I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts last night at work. I just went to bed with um an oversized t-shirt on. No undies even. It's too hot for undies. I actually never wear underwear to bed, but... Just a little tidbit into our life. But, <laughs> wow, yeah. Just in case you wake up and feel frisky. Well, no. Like, even if I wear pants to bed, I won't wear underwear. I've got to let the girl breathe down there. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> it's No, it's nothing sexual. It's good hygiene. It's just, like, keeping my bits healthy. Mm, mm. It's like you shouldn't wash your bits with soap. Well, females shouldn't wash their bits with soap because... It disrupts the pH balance. There we go. Just rinse it with nice warm water. Get in there. Pull up the clitoral hood. Give it a little rinse over. Why? Pull the labia apart. Rinse it all down. 
It's nothing sexual. We should stop sexualizing women's vaginas. Let's, we don't have to talk about it on the show. Hey, I'm let's talk about though. ghosts. I'm not wrong, though. No, you aren't, but... Thank you. That's all I needed to hear. Anyway, what about you, babe? Anything interesting you want to talk about? No. Anything about dick hygiene you want to talk about? No, nothing at all. Pull your foreskin back. If you don't have any, good, good job. Yeah, I'm all good to talk about that. Uh, I am not going to talk about that anymore. I don't have anything new. My car's still fucked. Did you mention that last week? Yeah, I did. Okay. It's expensive. Hey, today we're brought to you by our fantastic patrons over at www.patreon.com slash you mean a poltergeist. Thank you for supporting us and helping the show continue and grow. We love you very much. And we will give you all big hugs. When it is safe to do so. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, who's going first today, babe? You? I think so. We're just going to jump into it. Yeah, I may as well. All right. Y'all heard of Lizzie Borden? All right. To start this episode off, there is a dark nursery rhyme that I must say first. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what, what, she, what she had done, she gave her father 41. Lizzie Andrew Borden was born on July 19th, 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, I can't say it. It's spelled weird. Very weird. To Sarah and Andrew Borden. Soon after her birth, Sarah Borden died. Andrew Borden Remarried three years later to a 36-year-old, Abby Jeffy Gray. Andrew Borden was successful in the fields of manufacturing and real estate development to support his wife and two daughters, Emma and Lizzie, and employ servants to keep their home in order. Both Emma and Lizzie lived with their father and stepmother until adulthood, until their like, 30s, mm. pretty much. That's a red flag. Always. But it was not a happy home to be living in. Andrew was a bit of a control freak with a mean attitude and several personal personal issues. He was someone that wouldn't have had that shouldn't have had. Sorry, he's someone that shouldn't have had children. One of his fears was losing vast wealth. Though he became a banker and was extremely wealthy, he was also very tight with money. He insisted that no food be thrown out as to not waste it, which resulted in his family eating spoiled food many times. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. The Borden family lived in a modest in the modest part of town, um, very frugally. Frug, frugally. I thought I could say that word, but I can't. Um, and on a tight leash. He saw no value in the arts and prohibited in prohibited them in his home and from his family. He ruled the household with a stern demeanor and not showing much love to anyone. He had control over everyone's behavior and would conduct emotional and physical abuse to enforce his will. With, uh, now with that amount of emotional stress from their father, it is no wonder that the daughter stayed at home until their 30s unmarried or any suitors would be scared off. Not that women need men. Not that I need a husband, but back in the 1800s. Um, that was the regular thing. Yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah. Exactly. So, the relationship between the Borden sisters and their mother, Abby, was not any better either. They 
greeted her as Mrs. Borden, not like Mummy or Abby, and worried that Abby's family sought to gain success to their father's money. Emma was protective of her younger sister, Lizzie, and together the two sisters helped to manage the rental properties that uh, was owned by Andrew Borden. At a later date, a man named William shows up and claims to be Andrew's illegitimate son and demands recognition as heir to his father's fortune. Mm. After this, Andrew changed his will, uh, leaving his money to Abby's family or a charity. Ah. This left Lizzie, Emma, and William to inherit nothing. So was that William? William was the illegitimate son. Illegitimate son. Claimed to be, at least. So Andrew, the father, changed the entire will. To even get rid of the will for the two girls. For the daughters, yeah. He wasn't sure who was his real child after that. At that that point. (laughs) (laughs) You're all illegitimate. So this leads to the gruesome events that played out next. On the morning of August 4, 1892, around 9am, Abby, their maid Maggie, and Lizzie were in the home. Andrew had gone to the bank for the day. Maggie was downstairs washing the windows, and then Abby went up to the guest room um, on the second floor to straighten up after having a guest stay the night, whose name was John Moore. It doesn't really... Pay that much attention now to John Moore, but, but it makes sense later. Okay. Okay. Did he did bad things? No, 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 no. He's really like no one, but he was the last person to stay in the bedroom. Ah, I see. Yeah. Somewhere between nine and ten a.m., Abby's killer pulled the front shade, pulled the window shade, sorry, and lunged at her as Abby turned around. A hatchet landed in her forehead. Oh my god! She fell face down on the floor next to the bed. There are crime scene photos, by the way. If you're not squeamish and will from 1890, yeah, sick. How did they do photos? They had cameras back then. Did they? Yeah, but cameras invented. Like 1700s, wasn't it? I don't know. Quickly look it up. I'll look up the crime scene photos. This was like... This is 1892. So that's like almost 1900s. Oh my god. Um, okay. I, I recommend no one looking this up. This is gruesome. That's what, look, if you're into it, look it up. It's pretty cool. So... She fell face down on the floor next to the bed. Her killer finished her off by either standing over her or sitting on her back to deliver another 19 blows. What the fuck? Abby Borden was murdered at age 64. Meanwhile, the maid had gone to rest on the third floor. Around lunchtime, Andrew came home as he wasn't feeling well. He lay down on the couch and the killer slipped through the dining room and attacked him with the same hatchet from behind. Oh, my God. He never saw it coming. Andrew Borden was hit only 11 times because the handle broke from the hatchet as the blade got stuck in his skull. Oh, my Lord. Andrew Borden died at age 70. It's obvious these murders were a crime of passion filled with anger, rage, and 
revenge. It was the maid. <laughs> well, oh no. shit! Damn it! It wasn't a maid. <laughs> she was, was like, asleep yes. during the entire thing. I was about to put on my glasses. Yeah. <laughs> CSI Mammy walk yeah. off into the distance on a boat. Walk off on a boat. Walking off on a boat. Policeman called to the scene, suspected and suspected Lizzie immediately, although she was not taken into custody at that stage. Her sister Emma was out of town at the time and was never a suspect. Most think that Lizzie did it, though some say that Lizzie and William planned it out together, speculating perhaps Lizzie killed her stepmother while William killed who he thought was his birth father. Or another theory is that William did them both, did Sorry, did both murders, though most of the evidence points to Lizzie. Supposedly, Lizzie found her father dead on the couch. She said that she told Maggie that her father is hurt and sent to fetch the doctor and a neighbour. Hmm. Cameras are invented in 1816, by the way. 1816. Well, there we go. Those are the ones that you got to hold the big thing and it goes... <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, they've come a long way. They're now on our phones. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if we had to hold a thing with our tiny little phone. Oh, my God. And it sprays sparks everywhere. Not safe. No. During the week between the murders and her arrest, Lizzie burned a dress that she claimed was stained with paint. Ah. Oh. Prosecutors would later allege that the dress was stained with blood and that Lizzie had burned the dress, dress in order to cover up her crime. Her demeanour in front of the police was calm, unemotional, despite finding her father and stepmother dead. A big red flag to the police. When they asked her, where is, your, where is your mother? She coldly replied, she isn't my mother, she's my stepmother. Uh. She was arrested days later when her story about what happened kept changing. Lizzie was charged with three first-degree murder accounts for her father, her stepmother, and another murder charge adding for killing both Andrew and Abby. After a 10-day circus trial, Lizzie was found not guilty because of a lack of hard evidence uh, tying her to the crimes and no witnesses came forward to link her. So this is at times where there was like no protocols with crime scenes as well. Yeah. So people went in and were like, look at all these dead people. Literally, people would just go and have a look around. People take photos. Let's throw them around. Evidence. That's fucked. Shit like that. So pretty much all you need to do to escape a crime in the 1800s is burn the evidence and then you're good. Yeah, because they've got no other. They don't have have any forensic evidence at all. And keep the same story. At least go through the story once in your head. At least keep the same story, right? It's like, okay, this is how it happened. This is how it happened. This is how it happened. Do not change your story. Yeah. Or run away because no one's going to fucking... <laughs> how are they hunting you down? You know yeah, I mean? exactly. I was out of town. <laughs> Seems fair. It's <laughs> not <laughs> so like they can... There's like security cameras everywhere. There's no yeah. CCT footage. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Also, this is very... Oh, is it misogynistic? Male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Masculinity. Male, over, yeah, yeah, type of thing. Um, as to also why she wasn't... Trialed. Tri- uh, wasn't found guilty. The jury was not willing to send her to the death house on what was presented in the court. The circumstantial evidence wasn't enough to convince the jury of 12 men that the timid, demure, obedient woman, Lizzie Borden, 
was capable of these vicious killings. Well, I couldn't possibly have killed that. Exactly. They were like, she's a female, as if she (laughs) killed two people. It's like, okay, all right, you want to bet? (laughs) You want to bet, mate? How about you all sit on a sofa facing away from her for like an hour and see what she does with that hatchet? (laughs) Literally, though. She'd probably get through one of them and then break the hatchet off in one of the heads. Nasty. Nasty. Hindsight expressed by the Monday morning quarterbacking people in our era have come to the general consensus that the police investigation, police practices, and prosecution dropped the ball in the famous, in the infamous case in gathering evidence, questioning witnesses, and paying attention to details. On June 20, 1893, Lizzie Borden was acquitted for the murders. No one else was ever charged with the crime. There we so go. she was in jail for 10 months. That's it. That was it. And that was just while the trial and shit was going on. Oh, my God. And after God. a 10-day trial, they were like... They were like, well, we don't know who did it. Well, that, that's the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1893. We have nothing. You're free to go, Miss Borden. Your old maid. All right. So, Lizzie and Emma Borden inherited a significant portion of their father's estate, which allowed them to purchase a new home together. The Borden sisters lived together for the following decade. Although free Lizzie was considered guilty by many of her neighbours, and thusly never enjoyed acceptance in in the community following her trial. Good. Her reputation was further tarnished. When she was accused of shoplifting in 1897, she bought a Winona Ryder on them. Oh, my God. <laughs> 1905. I've been thinking of that, like, for two days. In 1905, Emma Borden um, abruptly moved out of the house that she shared with her sister. The two never spoke again. Emma may have been uncomfortable with Lizzie's close friendship with another woman, Nancy O'Neill. Oh, Although her silence on the issue was fueled speculation that she learned new details about the murders of her father and stepmother. Boom, boom, boom. Lizzie Borden died of pneumonia in Fall River, Massachusetts on June 1st, 1927. And Emma Borden died just days later in Newmarket, New Hampshire. So this infamous moment in history is the sole cause of five of the hauntings going on in the Lizzie Borden house. Before she was killed, Abby Borden had found their maid's cat in the basement. With its head hacked off, perhaps someone was practicing for the maid. Oh my god, she was a sociopath. Yeah. It seems that the Borden family and their maid, Bridget Maggie Sullivan, are still in the residence. The entity of Mr. Andrew Borden, uh, still seething that his wife was so brutally... Sorry, that his life, not his wife. His life was so brutally taken from him. (laughs) Finding some comfort that the living are bringing things to light, he enjoys watching the activity in the home. And he started to answer EVP questions and just goes about his business with what he used to do while he was alive. On an episode of Ghost Lab, the investigators got an interesting EVP when asked the question, did Lizzie kill you for your money? A male voice answered, you got that right? (laughs) In a YouTube video, there looks like um, the apparition of Andrew Borden is pointed out in a crime scene photo located on the far left looking at his body. Oh, that's creepy. Creepy. 
The entity of Mrs. Abby Borden can be found in a guest room now called the John Moore's room. Mm. That's, that's the fella. That's, yeah. That's why it pays some importance to mention his name earlier because it's like, why the fuck did they name it? Because so, he was like the last guest or something. Yeah, right. An indentation of a body on the room's bed was discovered by a staff member, like someone had just laid on top of it. Uh, just one month after renovations and refurnishing the home was complete. Emotional cries are heard in there as well. The apparition of an older woman with grey hair has been seen happily puttering around the home, busy with her affairs. If she couldn't enjoy her life here while alive, now she can in the afterlife. No. Um, an apparition of a woman that looks like Lizzie has been seen down in the basement, looking around the basement, perhaps being sure that she disposed of all of the evidence. Uh, she's been seen down there by owners previous and present, as well as staff and guests. So she's a frequent apparition there. The entity of Bridget Maggie Sullivan is perhaps still trying to say what happened. The truth. Oh, oh tell us, Maggie. An EVP recording captured by D'Agostino. D'Agostino. There, that sounds good. Um, in a horrified scream, ma'am, come quick. I can't do a horrified scream, but just imagine. Ah! It's like, ma'am, come quick! Like that, <laughs> that was pretty good. Like there that. we go. Thank you. Hashtag voice actor. <laughs> give, so give us your best uh, 1950s female boob. Hey. <laughs> hey. I'm from New York. That's hey. not 1950. Oh, Lou. I like it. You're hired. Oh, I'm a woman from the 1950s. <laughs> that was so bad. It was so bad. Anyway, it's her spirit in a constant loop of what. Oh, sorry. Is. <laughs> Just funny. Is her spirit in a constant loop of what happened that day? I don't know. Is that, is that okay? Whatever. Cold spots are reported in Maggie's room. An apparition of a woman dressed in, a maid, in maid's clothes is seen doing her chores around the house. Mm. The entity of Maggie's cat is still present at the home as a disembodied meow can be heard and the feeling of a cat rubbing against people it likes on the second and third Aww. floor bedrooms. Former owners, the McGinns, and present-day owners of this stately yet plain home had some experiences of their own to tell. The lights had a mind of their own, turning on and off. The owners would be in a room, and in front of them, the wall switch would flick and turn on the lights. When no one was upstairs on the second floor and third floors, the McGinns and their staff would hear the doors open and close, followed by footsteps. Hmm. Shadow people have been seen, especially on the staircase, going oh. down um, to the main hallway and walking into the other parts of the house. Owners of the home have seen shadow people move around um, different parts of the house. Sometimes staff and guests can feel someone brush against them on the stairs and in various parts of the home. Disembodied voices have been heard as well. Owner Leanne Wilbur felt the cold touch of a finger run down her back. When she quickly turned around, no one was visible. Nasty. Entities of two young children have been seen in various parts of the house and have been heard playing marbles. Sometime in the home's history, two children drowned in the water reservoir there. Oh my god. Common things would have happened back in those days. So much death. So much death. 
Photos of a misty human forms have been taken in the living room where Andrew Borden was hacked to death in 2007. A paranormal group member saw with her own eyes the second time it happened the moving of the camera that was turned toward them. Oh. And more EVPs have been caught on recording devices in the house, but there's like so many, I wasn't going to write them all down. That's so creepy. So the residence is now a bed and breakfast slash museum. Ah, so you can go and go. stay there. Wow. And uh, get haunted as fuck by Lizzie Borden and her murderous ways. Yeah, lovely. And then the cat, if it likes you. Oh, I hope yeah. it would. Oh. Too bad, though, I'm allergic. So. That means it's going to love you even more. Even to ghost cats, yeah. Oh. Good job, Mo. <laughs> and that's all the news Molly has. Uh, do we have any new reviews? Or? No, I checked. Okay, no new reviews today. You can leave us a five-star review and we will read it out on the show. Uh, no new patrons, but thank you to those that have supported us. We love you all. And moving on. So, babe, guess what? What have you got for us? Guess the hell what I got. What? So, today, I thought I'd speak about a haunting that'll undoubtedly send a bit of of shiver down your spine. Okay. You in particular, Belinda. Okay, Brayden. Due to your fear of the demon nun Valak, because today (laughs) I'm going to be talking about the Bank of England and the streets surrounding it, and moreover, the black nun that is said to haunt them. I'm a duck out. Yeah, I'm just going to leave here. All right, so way back 209 years ago, there was a cashier who worked at the Bank of England by the name of Philip Whitehead, uh, who was a great employee and loved by his co-workers. But little did they know that Philip was embezzling money and forging documentation to get away with it. Oh. Yeah. So clearly he wasn't very good at it because he ended up getting caught and they weren't too sure how long he'd been forging the documents and embezzling their money for, but it didn't really matter if he'd stolen £10,000 or one shilling because he would be punished in one way and one way alone. And can you guess what that is? Is it the death penalty? Yeah. by Gallows? By gallows, hanging. So before we continue, I've got a little game for you, babe. Okay. It's called... Most of these acts will get you hung, but guess which one is just for fun? So five activities, four of which will get you the death penalty by hanging in the 1800s, and one will not. And you must guess the activity that will not get you hung. Okay. You can play along at home as well. Number one, writing a threatening letter. Number two, being out at night with a blackened face. Is that racist? 100%. Yeah. Number three, stealing a horse. (laughs) Number four, cutting down trees. Or number five, being in the company of gypsies for one month. I'm going to say it's the cutting trees down. You're not going to get hung for cutting trees down. 
Bum, bum. It's what? stealing a horse. What? <laughs> yeah, you can steal a horse, but you can't be in the company of a gypsy for a month. Or cut down trees. Or cut down a you tree. You can steal a fucking horse. Yep. There was other weird ones, like uh, stealing from a rabbit warren. Like if you... <laughs> stealing from a rabbit warren. Like if you uh, like take a rabbit or kill a rabbit and then take from them. I don't know. Stealing from a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. It was a white rabbit. Yeah. Stealing his little pocket watch. Yeah. yeah. To the gallows with you. That rabbit needs his pocket watch. He's late. He's late. <laughs> he's got to get to the Red Queen. He's late. He's late. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> like I was saying, <laughs> old uh, Philip ended up being hung fairly soon after he was caught embezzling money from the Bank of England. And in this time, a lot of crimes that were punished by death seemed to reflect the fear and anxiety the wealthy had about their money being stolen. So, of course, don't embezzle money from the bank where all the wealthy people's money is kept at the time. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure whether the bank wanted to maintain their public image or didn't want any of their wealthy clients like withdrawing their money and putting it somewhere else. But the news of the embezzlement and subsequent execution were com- like kept near completely secret from the public. Wow. Even Philip's own family. Mm. So in steps Philip's sister, Sarah, who hadn't heard from her brother in like a month or two, and grew worried, obviously, about her sibling. So she decided to head down to the bank and pay her brother a visit. First few times she entered the bank asking if anyone had seen her brother, and she was turned away without much reasoning. The next few times she was told that her brother was away on bank business. And then finally... What bank business? Is it like a money convention that they go to? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to teach you how to store the money better. (laughs) Now in safes. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) So, yeah, finally, after trying to uncover her brother's whereabouts a number of times and always being given the same shitty excuses, a cashier that had worked with Philip felt guilty for the poor sister and told her what exactly happened to her brother. Your brother was a thief and he was hung. He is dead. The news of her beloved brother Philip's death and the cover-up that had occurred sent Sarah into a downward spiral and twisted the mind of the poor lady. It was after that day that Sarah would forever become known as the Black Nun of the Bank of England. Why Uh, her? Well, creepily enough, Sarah didn't ever stop looking for her brother. But he was dead. Did they, like, hide the body as well? Well, clearly there must have been a mistake, right? Or maybe she just couldn't accept the fact that her brother was gone and she decided to live in delusion where maybe there was still a chance he was alive to try and avoid the So she just went insane. Yep. Every day Sarah would come to the bank dressed in full funeral garb, black headdress and cowl, and ask the Mm. cashiers, have you seen my brother? So she wasn't actually dressed like a nun, but she was just in funeral outfit. But she, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, over time, Sarah's search for a dead brother drew the pity of merchants and the bank tellers who would be making their stops at the bank or be working at the bank, and they would hand her money as a payment, well, not payment, but like as a 
sort of pity gift yeah. towards her. And um, she probably used that to further her search for her dead brother, which is pretty sad. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. So the poor Sarah Whitehead's search grew ever more desperate and depraved as she would scream and insult bank goers, berating people who hadn't seen her brother. After seven years of this occurring, the bank decided to come to an agreement with her because clearly they'd let this go on <laughs> way too far. Um, they offered her a large sum of money so that no longer she would be able to step foot in the bank, and Sarah agreed. Although it didn't stop her from continuing her antics on Threadneedle Street outside of the bank and in the surrounding Thread areas. Threadneedle Street. Yeah. So creative. Very much so. Yeah, and this continued on for the rest of her life. She spent the rest of her life just like parading around the streets surrounding the bank and just constantly asking, have you seen my brother? Hey, you, have you seen my brother? Yeah. At the time of her death, she was buried in the churchyard of St. Christopher Le Stocks, which was very, very close to the bank, just across the road. And funny as it is, the church eventually came into ownership of the property. So... That it was now, too, part of the bank's estate. Clearly, this voided the original agreement that had been made since it was part of the bank. Mm. And uh, her grave was there, so they brought her in. So, in death now, the black nun continued her search for her long-dead brother. Oh. Yeah. In the bank itself. Yeah, it is really sad. In the bank itself and in the surrounding areas, it is said that People see darkened areas of shadow suddenly twist and contort into the appearance of a lady in black, with saddened wails and moans coming from the twisted ghost. Uh, Oftentimes, the lady will suddenly appear around corners and behind people, only to simply whisper to them, Have you seen my brother? Uh, In recent times, the lady in black has even been seen... Um, in the Prince's Street subway station, furthering a search to other areas of ground in the kind of eternal search for her long-lost brother. Uh, to finish up, one American tourist who visited Threadneedle Street gave a fairly gripping account of an experience with the Lady in Black. <clears throat> Are you going to tell me now? This is the quote, yeah. I was on a short visit to London and was walking alone in the late evening along Threadneedle Street, near to where the Bank of England, England, Bank <laughs> of England is positioned. Suddenly, without warning, this lady was walking towards me. I don't know where she had appeared from. One minute she wasn't there and the next she was. The lady looked strange and was dressed in all black in what I thought looked like style from the 1800s. She was wearing a black bonnet with a long veil, and her dress was long and full. I could see her face through the veil, and she looked incredibly sad. As I passed her, um, she glanced up briefly and asked in a soft voice, Have you seen my brother? I muttered, No, in reply. Almost immediately afterward, I turned around to have another look at her, but she had disappeared. There was no one behind me other than a couple walking in the same direction as me. I've since read of the Bank of England that has a ghost called the Black Nun. I wonder if this is who I saw. It gave me goosebumps. It's pretty sad, eh? It's so sad. Yeah. Her eternal search just to find her brother that she never got to say goodbye to. I wonder if 
someone like found his remains and took them to the bank. If that would if that release her, like, yeah, maybe or would that anger her? I think that'd release her because she'd Cause finally she's find just her brother. Trying to find, eh? Yeah, if her brothers imagine they buried her brother next to her in the oh yeah the churchyard. Hmm. That'd be nice. But yeah, her it? eternal search is still ongoing. Oh, rather sad. sad. It is that a sad one. Spooky at all? I know. She wasn't a nun at all. No, she wasn't a nun. But the name oh. was pretty good. Yeah, the name's good. <laughs> yeah, they call her. Should call her like the black funeral lady. I don't know. The lady in black. The lady in black. Yeah. Lady, lady in, in black. black. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Oh, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing both of our dogs snoring at one point. Yeah, it was beautiful. Molly's still going. I've been throwing cat biscuits at Molly to stop her from snoring. Hasn't worked. She's just been eating them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Patreon, you can. Just you, me, and a poltergeist. If you want to follow our personals, mine is Braden Farish. We are idea number five ASH on Instagram. And mine is Bambi Mathis, B-A-M-B-I-M-A-C-C-A-S. And also don't forget to check out our Redbubble store where you can grab some merch with Mothman or our logo on it. And I'm going to try and put something else out soon, okay? Like chill, there will be more. Hell yeah. Um, but it is just your map on Redbubble because you made a podcast for too long. So that's just Y-M-A-A-P, your map. If you want to submit a story for... Uh, us to potentially put onto our show, you can. You can send it to you mean a poltergeist at gmail.com or go to that's not canon.com slash you mean a poltergeist where you can scroll to the bottom of the page and submit your spooky story. I have one in the works, believe it or not. Ooh. I'll let you know after this and maybe in a future episode I'll discuss it. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. We love you. Thanks for listening and don't forget to exercise regularly. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.